Welcome back. You are listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to like the video and subscribe if you haven't already, and ring that notification bell in the upper right-hand corner so you are notified each time we have a brand new episode go live on YouTube. And I'd like to welcome in my co-host, Modern Vintage Gamer. What's up, Nate? Great to be here. Always great having you. And today's episode is dedicated to Shamsa, who has generously donated $100 to support the channel. If you'd like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in the description below. Donate $100 or more. We will dedicate the episode to you. Or you can donate any dollar amount. Ask a question. We will answer it at the end of the episode. And today's episode is not the expected topic that we had advertised on Twitter last week, which was going to be the NVIDIA NVN2 leak and how it concerns Nintendo. Instead, we are talking about Sony's introduction of their new PlayStation Plus merger with PlayStation Now service known as PlayStation Plus Premium or PlayStation Plus Extra or Essential, depending on the tier you subscribe to, and how these services will provide games such as PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, and PlayStation Classics. But before we get into that, we're going to talk about a more timely issue, which involves the PlayStation 3 and PlayStation Vita, as we saw reports last week spring up when Chrono Cross and other games were mysteriously inactive for users as their expiration date was reset to January 1st, or December 31st, 1969, in some cases 30 plus years before these PlayStation 1 games were ever announced or released. And the riddle has been solved as to why this happened. And it was, as many people suspected, it was a Unix epic issue. Now, MVG, for those who aren't aware of what that terminology means, can you enlighten us? <laughs> You know, Nate, you kind of put me on the spot because I'm not really 100% sure, but like I know that um, the epoch time or epoch time is the first or the, the last day of 1969, I believe. It's when the uh, the system basically is in some type of, well, the time is in, in some type of indeterminate state. So it sounds like there was a system issue on one of Sony's web servers or a couple of them that was serving up these games and inadvertently had put the epoch time as the expiry date of games such as Chrono Cross. There were other examples of other games as well. I believe, um, I think Gex was another one that people were reporting was not working, but it was only a, a handful of games. But mm -hmm. the glitch has been fixed and um, I've been getting confirmation tweets that, that everything is good. Corona Cross is indeed back and working, which is a good thing. And, you know, I, I do want to make a note of this, and that is I got so many people asking me to cover this last week, and I basically held off on it because, you know, there were people that believed that Sony was slowly starting to remove these, these features because, remember, last year we were told – by Sony that the PS3 and the Vita and the PSP stores were being sunset. Obviously, they they went back on that decision. And then there were some people that may have believed that what was going on here was they were slowly starting to take features away anyway and kind of just move us into, into that direction. And I guess you could put stock into that. 
there were other people that also were telling me that Sony doesn't care, so they just kind of let it go. I don't, I mean, I never really believed either of those things. I felt like there was going to be a, a natural resolution to this, whether Sony themselves made a comment, a statement on it, because people were su- were submitting support tickets, you know, and people own these games, you know. So there were people that were, you know, getting on help desk and, and, and submitting tickets saying, hey, my Chrono Cross used to work and now it doesn't. So for me, I just wanted to wait and see what was going to happen because I felt like we'd either hear something from Sony or the issue would fix itself. And the issue has seemingly fixed itself, which is a good result. And people that are worried about preservation of their games can rest easy, at least for now. I'm not saying that this is not going to come up again when Sony decides to turn off the PS3 servers at some point. But for now, we are, we're, we're, we're good. So uh, good result. Yeah, it's definitely a good end result. And a lot of people did pick up that it was just a bug or a glitch when they noticed that the expiration date was set to December 31st, 1969, because that is just moments away from what would have been the epoch time of January 1st, 1970, with the arbitrary timing of 00000, which encoding would would come back to that 1969 or that 70 date and it's just a database glitch. These things happen. It has been resolved. And it was resolved fairly quickly because this wasn't an issue until Friday of last week. And we're recording this on Tuesday night and it has been fixed. And some people may say, well, why wasn't it addressed earlier? People do get the opportunity to enjoy their weekends. So when you come to work on Monday, you would find out about the problem. You would address the problem. You would then push through the fix on Tuesday. And that's what we saw here. But it is very good that that Sony was able to address this in a timely fashion. And as you mentioned, it is a happy end result for all who were victimized yep. by this glitch. And, and hopefully this is something that we don't see repeated. And honestly, buy Chrono Cross from the store. It's a better version. It's true. I haven't heard good things about the, the, uh, the remake. Well, the remaster, I should say, not the remake. Yeah, somehow you remaster it for modern day platforms and it runs worse than the PlayStation 1 original. Either that is fantastic emulation <laughs> or something went radically wrong in development. Yeah, I don't really know what happened there. <laughs> I don't have I don't have the new one, but uh if you want to play Chrono Cross, then yeah, I would I would just download it <laughs> off the uh, PlayStation store because you still can. So I would jump on that. Yes. Yep. Boot up the PSP, boot up your PS3, and enjoy the game there because it's not great on the Switch, Xbox, or PlayStation 5 or PlayStation 4. It's also good on the PlayStation 1 in terms of performance. Our lack of praise for Chrono Cross is well noted in prior episodes. Yeah. I don't think it's a good game. It's the sunshine of the Mario. Sorry, it's the Mario sunshine of... The Chrono Cross series, which is only what two games. So yeah, yeah. So that's not really that's it's pretty low bar. But when you come from Chrono Trigger, one of the greatest games ever made, and your sequel's Chrono Cross, yeah, that's why we don't get another one in the series. I like the music in the game at least. The soundtrack it, is it, great. It does have good music, and it does have a cat wearing a hat as a character. That's where my praise ends. Now for the meaty topic of this week. 
which is PlayStation Plus Premium. We have not discussed this since it was officially announced a couple of weeks ago. So we're going to give our right now we're going to give our quick thoughts on the service, which is a three-tier service. It will have PlayStation Plus Essential, which is what PlayStation Plus is now, costs $60 a year. You get two monthly downloadable games, exclusive discounts, cloud storage, access to online multiplayer. But the two new tiers are PlayStation Plus Extra, which will provide you with all the benefits of the Essential tier. It will include a catalog of up to 400 of the most enjoyable PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 games, including blockbuster hits from PlayStation Studios and third-party partners. This tier will cost $100 a year. And then there's PlayStation Plus Premium. Now, Premium will include all of the benefits of Essential and Extra and include up to 340 additional games, including PlayStation 3 games available via cloud streaming, as well as downloadable and streaming options for the original PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, and PlayStation Portable. This will run you $120 a year. And this t- this tier has received a lot of scrutiny for one key reason. And that is PlayStation 3 games are only available via cloud streaming. But this was not a surprise to us. No. We've been saying wow. this uh we've been saying this all along. Yes. We we have never said anything of the contrary. PlayStation 3 games on the PlayStation 5 or on this PlayStation Plus premium service will always be cloud. It's mm-hmm. it's something that we've 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 said many times before and we've uh, you know, I've given you the technical reasons for it. I've made videos on it. I've talked about it. And I think it's it's still disappointing to to so many people. I'm not really sure why people have kind of I, 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 I saying this is a disappointment. I think I'm not really sure where it came from, Nate, but I guess maybe there was some talk that maybe Sony was preparing some native PlayStation 3 games for this service. I don't, I'm not really sure where that chatter came from. But that is kind of that goes against everything that I understand about what Sony has done in the past when it comes to you know their old games, which is about one tenth of what Microsoft has been doing with their back compat uh, system. So really, at the end of the day, I never really expected anything else other than cloud. Now, will we one day get native PS3 games on PS5? I think the door is open. I think there is a possibility that that could happen. But I've also been, you know, you know, I think a lot of people saw my tweet that I said that Sony's not interested in in native in native PS3 because they don't want to invest the time and money. And I think that's a very accurate statement and look, maybe they are working on something and maybe we we will see something, but for the foreseeable future, it's going to be cloud, and I think that's really, you know, the end of that. End of that. There's really nothing else to say other than that, really. And that's the interesting thing about the PlayStation Three topic is you had so many people who went to social media to express their disappointment and displeasure in this news. But as you mentioned, there were no indications that Zero. we were going to have any 
other solution to PlayStation 3 support on this service other than cloud. So having that expectation be anything but cloud kind of feels it feels as though it's energy misdirected at Sony Mm -hmm. when the original report that came out from Bloomberg and Jason Schreier was it was going to be cloud. When we discussed this topic in January, you reiterated this will be a cloud streaming service. And that is something that I had been hearing myself as well. And I guess people still want to cling on to that hope that maybe they would allow you to download these PlayStation 3 games, despite, as you had noted numerous times yeah. over you know the last several months, the difficulties that it would take for Sony to properly emulate, sell, and PlayStation 3 games on PlayStation 5 hardware. And I know people like to make reference to the emulation scene on PC with PlayStation 3 games. Uh, and there has been some... Yeah. yeah, there's been some fantastic work done. Yeah. And as you mentioned, it's just Sony doesn't want to commit the time or resources to make this happen. And we've seen the rumor and report that Jeffrey Grubb has put out in the last couple of weeks, suggesting that Sony is potentially working on a PlayStation 3 solution for PS5, where we will have some form of native support. But as you mentioned, it doesn't feel as though it's anything that's going to be in the foreseeable future. And I 100% agree with you on that, because if I'm one of these third-party partners who have agreed to put our PlayStation 3 games on the PlayStation Plus premium service, we should be aware of these plans. And I would even hesitate to put my game on the service at its introduction if I know I can just put a native version on, let's say, in... 18 months and 24 months because that would better represent my game. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also the licensing aspect of this as well, which, you know, is very, very complicated and very messy. Mm -hmm. And look at Microsoft right now. You know, they, they recently announced a, an end. I don't know if it's, it's an end end I'll say, but an end to their backward compatibility program because they've exhausted all their options as far as games that they can bring back either via via technical means or via licensing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for Sony to step in now and say, you know, and, and have people believe that there is some sort of native PlayStation 3 solution just doesn't make any sense to me at all. And, you know, sometimes you just have to really – just look at the facts presented at you. And and Jim Ryan has said in the past, I know he's he's he said some really silly things and he's been quoted saying some really silly things. But one of the things he did say when the PS5 was first announced or when it was released was PlayStation 3 is not a thing on this hardware, on the PlayStation 5. And I always kind of went back to that and said, well, okay. I mean, if if Jim Ryan, you know, has actually said something accurate. That's the that's the quote that I'm going to take away and say this is what he said. You know, <laughs> so yeah, I I just don't really know where where it's all come from. I guess I mean, look, there's probably um, some hype. There's there's probably some some patents that have been read and taken out of context that people have seen about emulation and stuff, backward compatibility. Mm-hmm. It's it's a mix of all these things, I guess. Um, you know, but at, at the end of the day. Sony needs to invest a lot of money to get 
a PlayStation 3 solution on PS5. And it's never really been anything that they've been interested in doing. You know, Microsoft has is is so far ahead of them. And I know people that, that are a Sony that, that love Sony and, and don't like Microsoft are gonna call me a fanboy. I don't care what you call me, but the reality is <laughs> Microsoft has been doing this for, for for years. Sony had hardware in their older systems. And that's how they got all their old games to run. And that was great. It was a great solution. But Sony mm-hmm. is not going to put a cell processor in the next revision of, of their hardware and allow you to play PS3 games again. I, re- I remember reading something about that as well, that or maybe they're going to add, add the cell in, into, the, into the, the new hardware. I mean, at the end of the day, Sony can make this happen, but I just don't think that they're interested in it. Sony's, Sony's vision is is very very focused and that is more games the future of their games all the games that they're currently working on and many of the ones that we probably don't know about we're going to hear about this year um, later on in the year you know during e3 time and i think that's really it for them you know what they're offering with the and I'm, I'm going to call it project spartacus what they're offering with that service is just a nice little value add it's it's kind of it reminds me of very much of the NSO service with Nintendo, with the N64 stuff. It's a cool little um, diversion from your current Switch usage that you use. You're going to jump in and play F-Zero for an hour, or you're going to play you know, a couple of games of Mario Kart. It's it's really fun. And I feel like that's what, what Sony's offering here. This is not anything that's going to be um, more than just a, a nice little, uh, you know, palate cleanser after you've played you know, a hundred hours of, of Elden Ring or something. Mm-hmm. And actually that's a good segue into a topic I did want to get into. And it's that we see a lot of the comparisons of how does PlayStation plus premium compare to Nintendo switch online or even Microsoft's game pass mm-hmm. and whether or not Sony wants to position as internally as their game pass competitor is irrelevant to the consumer. Right. What we can see based on these tier breakdowns is that this is essentially Sony's version of Nintendo Switch Online. Yeah. It's you're subscribing to a service that is going to grant you access to select software. And that's exactly what NSO is. Now, is this a better version of NSO? On paper, I would say yes, just in terms of offerings, because Sony is going to offer PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, as well as the classics with the PS1, PS2, and PSP, whereas what Nintendo offers us with NSO are just the classic systems, not counting the expansion pack at this point. Just base NSO is just online play with NES and Super NES games, then you have the more expensive expansion for N64 and Sega Genesis. So Sony is offering us a version of Game Pass in the sense of we are getting current generation games with the service. We're not going to have any day one games as far as Sony releases are concerned. But when you look at PlayStation Plus, you do get some day one games from be it a third party, an indie studio. Very rarely do we get a Sony published game, but we did get one at the opening months of the PlayStation 5 generation when they put Destruction Derby All-Stars. 
But Sony has made it clear it is not their priority to put day one releases on the service from their own studios. Yeah. But it doesn't mean it will never happen for some of the smaller games. Whereas Game Pass, Microsoft is committed to every single one of their first party published games will be day one on Game Pass. So that's where these really aren't a one to one competitor. Right. So let's kind of talk about that a little bit. I think that as far as it's competitiveness or comparison to NSO, I think this is a this offers more for the consumer, at least on paper, right? Like mm-hmm. it's a little unfair to say that because it hasn't released yet. We'll know when it does release because, you know, they're claiming, you know, 400, 400 games and another extra 360 classic titles. We're not going to get that on day one. They're not going to just dump 400 PS4 and PS5 games um, <laughs> on the service. They're going to, like like any service, they're going to, you know, offer a handful of games every month and then take a handful of games away every month. That's that's the nature of these things. But based on what we know, you know, if we're getting Miles Morales, if we're getting Spider-Man, God of War, Death Stranding, Mortal Kombat 11, Returnal, they are some of the best Sony games that you can get right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a very, very enticing prospect for people that want to jump into the PlayStation ecosystem for the first time, that you can get a console, a PS4 or a PS5, even though they're still very hard to find, and pay your, uh, what is it, eleven ninety nine a month for the, the middle tier or the $12.99. Um, no, it's the sorry, it's the yeah. fifteen. It's the fourteen ninety nine a month yes. for the extra. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're paying fifteen dollars a month and you're getting that level of game, that's that's pretty good. You know, and if you're getting up to four hundred games, that's a pretty sweet deal. It, it all of a sudden means that you don't need to spend that extra seventy dollars or sixty dollars on on buying uh, games. You know, after you've picked up a system, so I think. Based on at least what we know from the blog post, it's it's quite competitive. I would say, again, I'm you know I want to be clear that we haven't seen it yet, but at least it sounds like it's better than than the Switch Online service. And you know, it's not going to be right now. It's not going to be a Game Pass competitor, and I don't think it was ever really considered one. But I guess you know to ask you a question, Microsoft has has said, you know, day one on Game Pass is what we do. Do you think that's something that is um, a big miss for Sony, that, that 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 maybe they should have at least some stuff that's day one on, on their service? Or do you think um, that it, it's not really a, a big importance to them? Because I think, I think if you've got Miles Morales, Returnal, Spider-Man, God of War on there, I think you could almost get away with saying, we'll just add these games, you know, 12 months after they've released and have them there. Mm-hmm. But what do you think in the end? I mean, do you think it's it's something that will hurt them? Um, I think it may hurt them initially. And it's just going to be from the optics standpoint that you can look to Game Pass and say, you get Halo, Forza Horizon, Gears of War, you're going to get Hellblade. You get a lot of IP and soon, you know, they're going to have Starfield mm-hmm. day one when it launches later this year. The optics of that is value. Yeah. There's a lot of value there. And if you care about the games that Microsoft publishes, 
or the games from the studios that Microsoft has acquired over the last you know couple of months with Activision Blizzard or over the last couple of years, that value is something you can't ignore. Those are going to be games that you know are going to be coming out like Perfect Dark, all these big games. You know you want them day one. And there's a service that comes in at, I believe Game Pass Ultimate is what, $200, $189 a year. Yep. So, you know, we're talking three full price games, roughly. Yeah. That you could get access to dozens of games, including, you know, third party titles. And now you have Sony coming in saying, that's not our initiative here. Our initiative is different. Now, if we do get the games, let's say 12 months after release, and that is a set precedent Mm -hmm. that Sony commits to, it definitely begins to change perception of the service a bit where it's, hey, if I know I'm going to get titles of the caliber of Returnal, maybe, maybe even Ratchet and Clank 12 months after release, it's enticing. The problem that Sony then runs into is that when you look at games like Death Stranding, Director's Cut, even Returnal, is that when these games came out, in the case of Returnal a year ago, the price has been cut. Mm -hmm. It is no longer a $70 game in most cases. It's been slashed even digitally in the areas of 30% in some recent sales. But I could I could counter that Nate and say Halo today I saw for twenty nine ninety nine. True. So there's always going to be there's always going to yeah yeah there's always going to be sales. Mm -hmm. But when I subscribe to Game Pass, I'm doing it to get those games on launch right when they're full priced. So if I'm subscribing to PlayStation Plus Premium in hopes that I'm going to get some of these big PlayStation games 12 months down the line, is it then worth $120 if the game at retail is being sold for 20 Yeah. The- it creates that little bit of disconnect if you're Sony, and I understand why they're doing it. And it's because they value their IP. They believe that God of War Ragnarok can sell 15 million copies at retail for, let's say, $50 to $70. Right. Whereas I would say Microsoft, I would say Microsoft is Microsoft isn't in the software business right now when it comes to the Xbox. Microsoft Mm. is in the service business and the service is Game Pass. Yeah. Sony still wants to sell software. The service are the sprinkles atop your Sunday. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, look, I think there's room for both, you know, like I, I think Sony's offering is, I mean, it's definitely not Game Pass, but I think they have enough here for it to do well for them. And I can't, and I think the thing that I keep getting back to is what they're going to offer to entice people to jump on board. I mean, if you're offering God of War, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, Spider-Man and Miles Morales still sell extremely well for Sony. Returnal, mm-hmm. um, you know, Mortal Kombat 11, they're the games that we know. You're right. They'll probably add Ratchet and Clank at some point. They'll probably get Horizon Forbidden West maybe next year at some point. 
that's very enticing for to someone that's you know that's looking at this for the first time and saying, I want to get signed up for this service because this is this is some quality games that you're offering here for for nothing, even though obviously you are paying for it every month. Mm-hmm. So I think Sony's big hook really is to entice people to sign up and and join up, and they're ca- they're taking an approach here where they're offering current existing fans of their current lineup of games a way in and then the classics they're getting you know people that like the old retro stuff like myself and you mm-hmm. thinking well maybe I should sign up for the the uh, the the premium plan because I want to get access to those 340 games that could be really really fun to play as well so I think they're offering something here that yeah it is pretty good you know, it's definitely not Game Pass, but I think it doesn't need to be for Sony. I think this is a good, good, good approach for them, and it will do well for them. I think. I think it will do well for them. The area that I have a disconnect with kind of comes with that second tier, which will offer the PlayStation and PlayStation Four and PlayStation Five games. You know, PlayStation Plus Extra, which is not a hundred dollars a year is that for me, who has had a PlayStation 5 since launch, I've played Miles Morales. Mm -hmm. I've played Returnal. I've played Death Stranding. Yeah. So the games from Sony's own publishing, you're not offering me anything at this point. Right. But for the newcomer, yeah, day one, you subscribe to that middle tier of $100 a year and you get... Astrobot, yeah, Miles Morales, Returnal, Death Stranding, Mortal Kombat 11. You're having a fantastic day one for only a hundred dollars on top of you know obviously the price of admission, which is the console. There needs to be some level of maturity though with this service because remember when Game Pass first came out, they didn't really have much on offer there either. I mean, they had some stuff, right? But it didn't really. It wasn't really taken seriously. It wasn't given the respect that it deserved until, I want to say, like the the beginning of last year when they announced MLB The Show was coming to Game Pass. And then we're getting day one releases. We got Flight Simulator. We got Psychonauts. You know, we got Forza. All of a sudden, it's like, this is a really good deal. There's, There's always going to be some time to ramp up this service. Sony can yes. only offer what they have in their existing library. Mm-hmm. And yes, you're right. There are many people that are looking at this that have probably already played these games. I've, I'm looking at the list that they're, they're saying, Death Stranding, God of War, Miles Morales, MK11 Returnal. I've played and finished all of those games myself. But, you know, it's really about, well, that's what we're starting with. But if we do right. get... Gran Turismo 7, which I refuse to buy, but if they offer that on the service, I'd probably take a look at it. You know, Horizon Forbidden West, I'm certain they will add to this service at some point. Mm -hmm. Probably next year, let's be honest, maybe 12 months out. So there's definitely a lot to look forward to here. But yeah, you're right. They, They have to give us something to start with. And I think the way they're marketing this is... They're enticing you customers to jump on board with PlayStation. Buy yes. a PlayStation 4 or a 5 and pay mm-hmm. $15 and you can get access to a massive library of games 
for free. Why, why you don't have to buy games anymore? That's that's kind of the hook here. And look, I think it'll do well for them. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of details about the service that Sony is keeping close to their chest, and it's like the roadmap of how they're going to bring the games that they want to the service from Sony's own publishing, you know, development partners. And I think once, as you mentioned, we see that flushed out and we see it really come into its own, we'll have a clearer vision of really the direction that Sony wants to take these more expensive tiers of the service with premium and extra. Because right now, when you see those titles, it's that's a good start, especially if you're a newcomer to the PlayStation 5. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it is selfish or even greedy that those who have had a PlayStation 5 since day one are looking at it saying... Okay, but what am I getting? How am I benefiting from this? Because the games you're adding are something I already own. And you brought up MLB The Show on Game Pass. And MLB The Show is the perfect title that if you're Sony, you would want to have day one as part of the more expensive tier. Because it's on Game Pass, offered on one of these PlayStation Plus tiers. Because it'd be a new release. It's a sports game. So we know that their price drops very quickly as the season goes on and that they are then worthless once the new season begins. And what we saw with MLB The Show on Game Pass was MLB The Show 2021 was cycled out yeah, just as MLB 2022 was being introduced. So it's a nice cycle of out with the old and with the new, but that's exactly the type of software that the PlayStation and Xbox ecosystem kind of look to. They look to sports games or shooters. And if that's the type of stuff that Sony can make deals with to have on their service day one or within the first few months of release, I could definitely see it bolster this service in a strong way that would benefit newcomers as well as early adopters. And because right now, when you look at what they're offering, I would say early adopters are going to be most intrigued by the PlayStation Plus premium tier, which is $120 a year. And Sony wants to cater to them with that classic lineup of PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, and PSP generations. But based on the blog post, they have not committed to which platforms are going to be available day one. And to my understanding, and this is from several months ago, is that PlayStation 1 may be the only classic platform available at launch. Yeah, I am willing to entertain that and and say I agree with you. I mean, the 340 games sounds like the upper limit. I wouldn't mm-hmm. expect that we're going to get that on day one. That would be very surprising to me if they just dropped 340 games on day one. So I don't see that happening. I've I've kind of put stock into 100 games and you're right, probably PlayStation 1 to begin with, and then they'll add the other systems later on. And look, I don't know how long that's going to be. It could be, you know, Q3 this year, Q4, not really mm-hmm. sure. But, yeah, I would expect probably about 100 titles to start. And, um, yeah, we kind of go from there. So just like the the um, PS4 and PS5 games, I'm hopeful that Sony will offer some quality games to their classics collection that really entice people to jump in and start playing as well because they have a very vast catalog 
of legendary titles. They have a long legacy of games that they could really bring forward and, and show us. So I am hopeful that that we get to see some cool stuff. But I'm also tempering expectations, Nate, that this is a this is not a backward compatibility program. This is a set of curated classics. So I do wonder what exactly we will get to see and if there's any licensing that will affect the games that we do see versus the ones that we don't, that we are kind of mm-hmm. expecting to see on the service, it does remain to be seen. But I am, this is probably the, the part of the service I'm most interested in that I will definitely be checking out for myself. And unlike the, the Switch Online, I can pay month to month. So I'm probably going to pick up a couple of months of this. And if I really like it, I'm going to stay with it or I'm going to cancel it, but um, I'm definitely going to check it out. I think I'm expecting good things from the classics collection, but we'll we'll have to see, you know, how deep they go with this stuff because I don't think we're going to get, you know, FPS patches or widescreen or auto HDR and some of those things that you get with, with Microsoft. Those things I don't, really think we're gonna going to see it all. I, I think it's really just gonna be here's the game. It may be upscaled or upresed in some capacity, but other than that, I don't really expect it to look any different. So you do have hopes that the emulation is going to be of quality, at least comparable to what we saw with the PlayStation 4 versions with the PlayStation Now service. Yes. I think that when the NSO service came out, it wasn't very good, if you recall, the N64 stuff specifically. Mm-hmm. I think that we'll see a something along those lines. It's, it's probably not going to be a, as bad as that, but I think Sony will definitely give it the care and attention that it deserves, especially if it's a paid service that people are paying, paying money for. Once you once you start offering a service in that in that way, you know you're on the hook to make sure that you're offering the best possible experience to your customers. So I am expecting the emulation to be of a good quality overall. It may take a little bit of time to to get where they want it to be, but I think PlayStation One they've had an emulator for years. I'm not really expecting anything there. PS2 is the one that I'm a little curious about. They already have a PlayStation 2 emulator that runs the PS2 classics on PS4, and it's fine, but it it also needs refinement and needs work. So I am hopeful that during the time that they're preparing the service and they've been working on the service, that they are getting that emulation just a little bit more advanced for us for this. There's so much more you can do with it. But yeah, overall, I would say... The emulation should be of a good quality. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. And that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Oh dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you have, you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The uh. way the way we can do this 
is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out The Gaming Blender on all your favourite podcast platforms now. Now, do you think that there's any concern with the emulation considering we have not seen a PlayStation 1, PS2, or PSP game running on the service? (laughs) All we have about the service right now is text. There's always a concern, right, until we see it. So mm-hmm. there's always a concern that they they launch this and it's buggy, it crashes, there's performance issues, all of those things could happen. And I guess we'll know if that is the case because when Nintendo released the N64 service, we were a little confused, Nate, because I remember we we were we were like, well, why didn't they release Game Boy and Game Boy Color? Mm-hmm. Because we felt like that they already had that that system ready to go, and they pivoted to the N sixty four, which clearly was not finished when they released it at the end of last year. So it does it will it, I guess it'll tell us you know how how quickly they're rushing to get this out. If the emulation experience on PS two and I'll say PSP is of not the quality that we've come to expect, it's got kind of issues. It's got input lag issues. It's got texture issues. Then I would say, you know, it's it's something that Nintendo kind of rushed it to get out as quickly as they could. But you know, I think that Sony is—they've probably got a good suite of emulators that that will run well enough for this service. And you know, I, th- I think that's ultimately where they are. Now, there, there's one area I'm going to go on a slight rant about when it comes to the service. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen people use the terminology, and I, I understand that it is just terminology for ease of use. But PlayStation Plus Premium is not backwards compatibility, and people should not refer to it as backwards compatibility because as we mentioned, this is really a case. This is Nintendo Switch Online. Sony is looking to give us a curated list of software that they have struck deals with third-party publishers to put titles on this service. Backwards compatibility of this nature that would have included PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, and PSP would have been impossible when it came to physical backwards compatibility because the laser in a PlayStation 5 cannot read PlayStation 1 and some PlayStation 2 games because the PlayStation 5 disc can't read CDs. Yeah, can't read CDs. And I, was, I might add, how do you read a PSP disc, by the way? Well, you wouldn't be able to. That's, <laughs> it's kind of like the NSO problem where you can't play, you know, Wii U games because... <laughs> and a lot of people don't know that PlayStation 2 games that PlayStation 2 games shipped on three disc types. Some were CD, some were DVD, which were single layer, and then there were dual layer DVDs. Yeah. And this would have just been a very difficult situation for Sony to really navigate to make it a possibility. But, and this is an issue I take with the service, is that one of the things that I had heard several months ago is that third-party publishers or really any publisher will be able to allow standalone buys 
of their games on a server. So it's up to the publisher. So if Sony chooses to allow their games to be bought individually, that will be an option for the consumer, even those not subscribed to the service. But it's up to the publisher in these cases. So it's going to vary game to game. And when I see that, and even the service as a whole, what comes to mind is I own digital PlayStation 1, digital PlayStation 2, digital PSP games. If I see some of these games that I own digitally on the exact same account that I have registered on my PlayStation 3 and PSP, why won't I get access to them on my PlayStation 5? Yes. There has been no indication that account purchases will carry over. Right. So you're saying if you bought Chrono Cross on your PlayStation 3 or your Vita and then they have Chrono Cross on this service. I should have yeah. instant access without being subscribed to the service. Right. Because And let's just say that's one of the games that Square allows you to buy individually. I shouldn't have to buy it a second time. You have my account. You know I own this game. Yeah. Like you said, and it's it's not true packet compatibility, you know, and, and that, that's yeah. the thing. And I think that's kind of a shame that it's not backwards compatible, at least from that digital standpoint. Because when you look at Nintendo and the NSO situation with NES, Super NES, and now even N64, and even Genesis, because Sega Genesis games were offered on virtual consoles of the past, the reason that people were able to hand wave Nintendo is that it was a different account system. So there was no registry of your prior purchases with the current account system in place on the Switch. But with Sony, it's the same account. So there is a log that I purchased these games. And it's not the fault of this service itself for not allowing this, but it feels as though this is something that Sony maybe could have addressed because don't you feel a little i don't want to say ripped off but aren't you a little frustrated when you can view a service like this coming in with these legacy games games you may have you may already own and then you look to microsoft where if you owned these digital xbox 360 games that are being added to backwards compatibility or you know anything like that you have instant access they didn't ask you to rebuy it because it's on a new platform right yeah honored what you bought i i am frustrated by it as well because you're right it's not true backward compatibility and i think you know even though they say that there is the option to download the game that doesn't mean that you own it and and i i mean i'm not sure how this will go but if you do download the game and then they take that game away Let's say, you know, next month, can you still play the game that you've downloaded or, you know, does the license expire at that point? These are all kind of really kind of up in the air questions. But if there's anything that that we can take away from this, it's just a sandbox. You know, it's really just a, a sandbox kind of play area of all these games that you can play around with. You can download, play and have fun with. But it's not going to be tied to your existing account and your purchases at all. And that is a shame. You're right. Like that would be really great if they could honor that, you know, if there is a game that is on this service that you previously purchased on the Vita or, or or via classics or whatever, that it's just there for you. You can just download it 
and and then that's mm-hmm. yours. It's your version, and then that stays with you on your PlayStation Five or whatever. That would be that'd be fantastic. Unfortunately, Nate, though, I I just can't see that happening, and it is frustrating because, yeah, there is there is an opportunity there for Sony to really make good with with customers that have they've bought games in the past. But yeah, un- unfortunately, it's it's not. Black, backward compatibility. It's not backward compatibility at all. It's really just a here's a walled off sandbox that you're going to pay seventeen ninety nine a month for to to get access to these games that we tell you you can play, but we can also take them away, and we probably will um, month in month out. And I mean, I think that's that's my frustration with the service is Konami comes and let's say they put Castlevania Symphony of the Night on the service fantastic game and if you're subscribed to it you know you would you would 100 play it it's one of the most legendary games of all time well hold on would you play it with the <laughs> new speech because i wouldn't i want the no. original speech no original always original but this is a game i've bought on my psp so let's say konami is one of the companies who opts to allow standalone buys for subscribers and non-subscribers I would immediately see the price tag. Let's just say it's $9.99 just as a random price. And I'd say, but I bought you 10 years ago on this account. And that's where that comes in with that. It's not backwards compatibility. This is essentially a, I don't even want to say a new version because it's not. There's still PlayStation 1 or PSP or PS2 games. This is just a different skew of the game you already happen to buy. So it's kind of in essence Nintendo releasing a Wii U enhanced version on the Switch. But Nintendo again had that benefit of of we didn't have a unified account system. We started over fresh again. And that's not what's happening here. And it is a minor nitpick. I understand that. But I'm mean, like on the flip side, it also shows a strength of the service that if there are standalone buys. This benefits the consumer who may look at the service and say, I really want to play PlayStation 1, PS2, or PSP games, yep. but $120 a year is a little too rich for me. But based on the library that is being offered as a standalone buy, let's say, you know, it is Castlevania, Symphony of the Night, and it's other third-party games that have, you know, are of quality, I can buy those games and enjoy them. And that also opens up huge potential for third-party partners who have agreed to work with Sony on the service because now they're not just getting that initial payment of being listed on the curated list. Now there's that sales potential for millions of individuals who are not going to subscribe to the service for sales. And that's where this service is superior to Nintendo Switch Online, Mm -hmm. which does not offer any form of virtual console purchasing right it's you subscribe you get access and that's it so sony feels as though they kind of have an ace up their sleeve here by allowing for standalone purchases of select games if the publisher opts in for that and you know as i said it's kind of very publisher to publisher and game to game and i don't foresee that sony be would be one of the companies that would allow for individual purchases of their games because it's Sony's service. They want you to subscribe to the service and what better way to get you to subscribe than to lock their games to it. But for all those other third-party companies, there's money to be made here. Now, 
Sony, if they do offer purchases and they do mm-hmm. offer purchases of their some of their classic games, they can't mess this up again. Like they have to bring these games forward, right? Like you can kind of I don't want to say this, but you can kind of give them a pass <laughs> from for the PlayStation 3 era because the PlayStation 3 was such an enigma. But you know, if they do offer purchases, downloads and purchases, then we Sony, we have to be able to bring these games forward at this point on with PlayStation 6, PlayStation 7, whatever's next. Yes. It, there's really no like, excuse at this point. We can we can yeah, kind of let it go, but with this, no. We we have to be able to do that now. Yeah, if they want a clean start and this is it, and they can say, you know, the PlayStation 1 and a PSP, those purchases we can't do native emulation on the PlayStation 5 for whatever reason for backwards compatibility. But now we're starting new with this new emulator and moving forward, it's going to be. And yeah, you, they kind of get a pass. It's not a great pass. It's definitely a pass given with scrutiny mm-hmm. where I'm frowning at them saying, this is the last time. You're kind of slapping the kid on the hand so you do it again. And that's it. But it would have to be that. And if anything, this makes me look at Microsoft's approach to backwards compatibility with even more admiration. They did it right. Yeah. And Sony and Nintendo are still trying to figure out. And it seems as though it's because they didn't care much for back for backwards compatibility in the digital age. It wasn't really something that they were focused on or really gave any attention to until they realized people aren't going to like the idea of us asking them to repurchase those digital games time and time again. And in an era where there is no physical backwards compatibility with the PlayStation five, you know, to these legacy systems, you really have to think forward and make sure that any legacy software going forward is always going to be compatible, especially if you do have individual and standalone purchases of these games. Because you're not going to continue to buy these PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, or PSP games time and time again moving forward. You would hope they would transfer with you through, you know, until the end of time or the end of the PlayStation line. Because Microsoft has kind of, I think they have set that as the precedent to go forward of honor your legacy and all future hardware is going to play that software. And we've seen it with PC. And that's mm-hmm. the model that Microsoft is looking to replicate. And this is Sony's opportunity to do the same. I fully expect that my PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 purchases will be completely compatible with the PlayStation 6. And if they're not, you know, that'll be a conversation for when that time comes. But it's it's not acceptable. And I mean, I do think it is a damn shame that all of the digital purchases that we made with the PlayStation 1 or even PSP games on legacy platforms, including the PlayStation 3, are now yeah. they're locked to that system, to that hardware forever. Yep. And it's only a matter of time before you won't be able to repurchase or you won't be able to redownload those games as well. Mm-hmm. So I have one last question about this service. What what games do you want to see on the classic lineup? Give me, give me your, your, your best three. 
I would want to see from like the PlayStation 1, I'd want to see Metal Gear Solid 1, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, and Metal Slug. Mm. That was on PS1. I think it was Metal Slug X. Yeah, the good picks. I I would definitely want Symphony of the Night. I'm going to say Parasite Eve would be one that I would love to see mm. on, on the service. Big fan of that game from Squaresoft. And oh, Metal Gear Solid, I mean, that would be cool, but I feel like there's there's some something a little more, uh, I don't know, something more Sony that, that they can offer, like, Jumping Flash or um, something, something cool <laughs> like that. So <laughs> now I see, like PlayStation Two, it'd be a whole different matter because there are so many classics on the PlayStation Two, but there's also those obscure hits. Yeah. Oh yeah, that you'll probably never see again. And I think of oh, what was the place like the Bouncer. Would Square yep. ever put the bouncer on the service? Well, that would be really cool if they did, just to to bring it back. <laughs> I mean, they probably won't. I mean, i I would like to see Silent Hill too, and I'm not I'm not trolling you, Nate. But I would love <laughs> to see Silent Hill two on this service. That means I don't have to yeah. break out my PS2 to play the game anymore. And uh, well, you- and I'm not talking about those HD collections because they're see terrible. that's that's what happened. You just monkey pawed it. You're going to get the PlayStation Three oh, HD collection God. streamed only. Sony, if you're listening, <laughs> give me Silent Hill Two, the original version. You got to ask Konami. Konami's sitting there saying, "Which one's easier? Let's just stream the bad one." <laughs> like, damn it! <laughs> there are some great PS2 games as well. That yeah. I would be very, very interested in. I'd like to see Ridge Racer Five. That would be really mm-hmm. fun to have on there. Maybe an earlier Gran Turismo game. They probably won't do that due to licensing, of course. But there's mm-hmm. definitely a lot of things you can think about. PSP has a fantastic library of games as well. Yes, Crisis Core is obviously a big one, but there's also even mm-hmm. like things like the Power Stone games, you know, and. That's the thing. You you think of the Capcom Ghouls and lineup. Ghosts Resurrection, Mega Man, Mega Man. There's, I mean, there's you some great games. The amount of third party gems on the PSP from Konami yep. and Capcom really go understated. And even going back to like the PlayStation Two, that was Konami at their high. You had remember Contra? Yeah, on the PlayStation Two, it was great. It's a fantastic contra. You have the Silent Hill games. You had the Castlevania games. Konami, I mean, Metal Gear Solid games. Konami was that developer you wanted support from. Absolutely. And we've got games like Eco and Shadow of the Colossus, all the Japan studio games. There's Patapon mm-hmm. and Loco Roco on the, on the PSP. I mean, there's definitely yeah. a mouthwatering prospect of some really great games for this service. Hey. You got Lemmings yep. on the PSP. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of potential for Sony here. And my final question to you is going to be, are you going to subscribe to the service? And if you are, what tier are you going to subscribe to? So I'm going to pick up the premium tier, the $17.99 a month. So I'm definitely going to jump in and play around with it. I don't know how long I'll keep it for, though. So I'm not going to commit to a year's worth. I'll probably just grab... You know, a couple of months to start with, see how it feels. 
if if it's something that I feel like Sony's really giving it the respect that it deserves, I'll I'll stick around. If it's one of those things where they they drop it and then nothing happens literally for like two months, nothing gets added, nothing gets changed, then I may just dip. It's really about how well it's it's maintained, how well the emulation is on on the uh, on the classic side. And just the overall experience, you know, I'm hopeful that Sony will really give this a lot of attention and it's probably going to need it during the first few months. There'll be a lot of teething problems, I would imagine, a lot of quirks and things with the, with the service, which I think they'll figure out. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to ch- check it out at least. What about you? Are you going to jump in? And if you are, what tier are you going to be looking at? I am not going to jump in at launch. Okay. And That's the fair. reason it's going to be is if there are going to be standalone purchases of the classic games, I want to see which publishers are participating in that. Because if they are the bigger publishers, let's say Capcom, Konami, Namco, Sega, there's a lot of games from those generations that came from third parties. And those are the ones that I would more than likely want to revisit. Like there will be some from Sony, but I mean, there's still that chance that Sony games could be bought individually. We don't know yet. They haven't detailed this aspect of the service. Right. So I want to see if that aspect is indeed reality. I mean, just because I've heard of it doesn't mean that it's going to be true, but it was something I heard that was planned. And if it is true, I want to see what's offered for individual purchases. Because if there are quality games being sold at good pricing, I would look to that first before I would subscribe. And then if we find out that, you know, there are no individual purchases whatsoever that was that will never happen, then I would subscribe to the higher tier. The reason I have hesitation to subscribe aside from that is that I really don't have a point of value to look at these and say, Oh yeah, one twenty a year is a good price. There's no preference for these legacy games on the PlayStation One, PlayStation Two, or PSP to really give me an idea that is this is a good deal. Yeah. If the game is being sold individually, and let's say PlayStation One games are five dollars, and they launch with in the area of a hundred games, I could say, okay, the service has essentially paid for itself with that you know type of roster and the playstation 2 and psp games are only sweet in the deal but right now i don't have any reference point to if it's a good value whereas something like game pass i could look to and say that's the price of three games i buy more than three games a year that you know microsoft publishes so it pays for itself nintendo switch online at least the base version you'd look at twenty dollars a year and say well i got you know super metroid link to the past super mario world those games were being sold for, I believe it was like $10 on the Wii U. So you could say, well, two games, you know, it paid for itself. But when you look at the N64 expansion pack, there's definitely still a lot of hesitation if it is worth $50 a year or not. And, you know, the quality of the releases that we were seeing early on were definitely a contributing factor into that. So right now, I need to see the lineup of software, the emulation quality. Before I can commit, and as I said, if I can buy games individually, I need to see the pricing and who is participating in that before 
I would really consider committing to a subscription. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it like I said, it's really about first impressions here and and what they offer. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to think they're going to really entice people to jump on with this. So I'm hopeful they'll they'll offer up some really good classic games. But we'll we'll have to see. You know, I I am a little fearful that licensing has eaten a hole through some of the best games and maybe they can't provide. But, you know, it's Sony. They obviously have a long history of games, a lot lot of franchises of their own. Yeah, so I think that we'll see at least some cool stuff on the service. But, yeah, uh, very, very smart, you know, just to kind of wait and see what what they offer. I'm going to check it out. because I want to look at the emulation side and see how well it stacks up against, you know, competition, uh, uh, homebrew emulators and things like that and see how far along Sony is advanced, especially comparing it to what they currently have as well. So I think it'll be an interesting topic to, to, to kind of dive into. Yeah, definitely something that we will return to once the service is formally introduced in June when it launches. But until then, we await in mystery and wonder as to what the service will be in terms of emulation quality and library offerings. And with that, we pivot to our Streamlabs questions for this week. And our first Streamlab question comes from Pixelated Pigeon, who donated $5 in rights. I want to get your opinions on FIFA potentially taking their license elsewhere, shunning EA. The series certainly has many faults, but it's hard to see them finding a bigger cash cow elsewhere. Is this an informed or uninformed decision by FIFA? What do you think? Like, I, I'm not really that up on this stuff. All I do know is Pro Evolution Soccer and FIFA are the two big games every year. Pro Evolution Soccer does not have the... It's not even called that anymore. It's like eFootball now or something, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it sho- was a big deal. It, back sho- in the it PS2. shows you how much I know about this stuff, which is which isn't much. But look, <laughs> FIFA taking their license elsewhere from EA, really? I mean, it, it opens up the door for other options and possibilities. And you know, if if there's any type of game that's been stagnant that does need a change. Then it's FIFA. So I, I kind of welcome yeah. I welcome it, honestly. Yeah, ever since Pro Evolution Soccer kind of lost its luster. I mean, FIFA and Pro Evolution battled back and forth in the PS2 generation as the dominant soccer game. You know FIFA what FIFA has gotten stale. Yeah, you know what they should do? They they should make a, a game like NBA Jam, but with the FIFA license. So you've got like three on three. <laughs> I think they did. Remember, remember FIFA Street. Oh yeah, well yeah. Well, so let's let's start getting that back, right? Like, so but that was like with you know Ronaldinho. I want one with like Messi and and Ronaldo and and the, the, you know and the best players yeah. in the world right now. But that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, bring back FIFA Street and and those games. That'd be that'd be great. Just spread that, that spread that license around. Yeah. We then had a $5 donation from Pixelated Pigeon. He writes, non-gaming follow-up. I know MVG is a Liverpool fan. Nate, I've heard you on the Spawncast getting behind Portugal at the Euros. Do you have a team? Hopefully it's not Manchester United. (laughs) FYI, the best Portuguese player is clearly Jota. 
much love. I do like Manchester United, but they're not my team. I typically watch and root for Benfica. And man, I really think the best Portuguese player is Jota. Hmm. He's pretty good. He is good, but I mean, Portugal have some good players. We'll see them at, we'll see them at the World Cup this year. Yes, we will. I believe Portugal was seeded into group H. Mm-hmm. So let's see if they can win the World Cup. Let's see if Ronaldo can get the World Cup before he retires. Well, Italy didn't make it, so they got a chance. Got a chance. Yeah, Italy shocked. They were shocked they didn't make it with that. I can't believe that. Yeah, it's I, just, I can't that believe it. just kicks it <laughs> so softly. It's like, no. I can't believe Italy did not qualify for the World Cup after winning the Euro Cup last year. Yeah. Unbelievable. They, that's a different podcast. I <laughs> this is not sportscast. Not yet, at least. <laughs> Maybe during the World Cup it will. Then had a $3 donation from Chris B, who writes, In regards to my last message about Breath of the Wild 2 and the Switch 4K, I did send that question before the delay. Personally, I don't see it as an intentional delay, but I do think it would be a great idea to release the two together if the timing is correct. Now, part two of this question, where Chris B donated an additional dollar, they continue with, I know details in this regard are limited for various reasons. But how did you get into the position you are with access to these insider leaks? Did you plan to be in a journalist position per se, where you had access to these? Thanks a lot for the show. Um, I started doing this type of stuff like freelance and contributing to like websites that were run by friends back when I was about 16 years old. And a lot of the individuals who were on these sites have gone on to work in the industry, some in journalism, others developers, publishers. And over time, when you're doing this type of work, I mean, if I've attended media events for well over 10 years, you just form friendships with individuals who are involved in the industry on a development publisher marketing level. And... I never view the view it as insider leaks as much as just you know it's just information and any information shared is never intended to be viewed as a leak it's just it's information to give the listener or reader depending on how you digest the information is a look behind the curtain now, sometimes the look is just a quick peek of a product still in development. So what you're seeing is, you know, be like an artist. You see a quick look at the painting, but what you get as a final product may differ. And that's the information is just as a guide. It's to inform you, give something to the community so you can get excited about something or maybe even temper expectations on certain things. But that's how it really happened for me. It was just meeting people having you know friendships with individuals over the course of you know near 20 years then had a four dollar and 69 cent donation from uh writes hello nate mvg <laughs> and any potential guests recently i discovered a person on youtube 
who is playing the Pikmin games every day until Pikmin 4 is released. They are currently on day 469. How long do you think it'll be until they get to stop? Hope not too long. I mean, they're already 469 days in, so... I think they're halfway through it. <laughs> that might be a conservative estimate. <laughs> uh, they still will have a little ways to go. They will definitely hit day 500. That's for certain. But, yeah, they have a little ways to go. And I wonder how the... I wonder what the stipulation is to that, because what if the next Pikmin game isn't called Pikmin 4? What if it's like... Right. Pikmin. Yep. Do they still have to play? Those are the details that have to be known. Then had a $5 donation from Barrend, who writes, Greetings, sirs. I would like to ask the following. Is there a chance to see a release of the original or remaster Monkey Island series on Switch now that a sequel has been announced? Thank you very much for this incredible show. Yes. If there's definitely a chance if the developer and the publisher see high interest in the sequel, I'm sure they would consider going back to the original or the remaster and bring it to Switch or other modern platforms. This is something I could see limited run games working on. Hmm. And no, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> but I could see someone like LRG picking this up or, you know, one of those companies that does physical physical releases. It actually fits their business model quite well. Then had a $3 donation from Spooky Potato. Writes, after it was confirmed that PlayStation Plus or PlayStation Premium Plus will still stream PlayStation 3 games, I bit the bullet and grabbed the PS3. I'm a trophy hunter, but might mod the system. Would you recommend this, or is the ban risk too high? I play all single player if that changes anything. Thank you so much. I would recommend it. And do you I have a guide? Uh, I don't think your PS3. There's definitely there's guides out there. I, I haven't I haven't like hacked the PS3 for for years. It's been a long time. But like I always tell people, just go to uh, GBA Temp, and uh, there'll be a PlayStation Three guide, up to date one that you can take a look at. Don't look at YouTube videos because most of the time they're out of date and obsolete. But yeah, I would probably say do one. the The risk of getting banned is pretty low. And if you're going to stay offline, then you don't have anything to worry about. Then mm-hmm. had a $2.23 from Cosmic. Who writes, all past revisions from Nintendo, Microsoft, Sony are upgrades of the same architecture, i.e. more RAM, upclocked CPUs, larger GPU of same type, etc. The Drake SoC is a brand new architecture with new tech like DLSS and ray tracing. Seems more next-gen than revision, no? Still ultimately comes down to branding and positioning by the console manufacturer. I can see why, yes, I I follow your line of thought. But ultimately, it still comes down to how the console manufacturer wants to position it. Yep. Agree. I mean, not really much else to say there. It just, yeah, it, it just depends on on and how it's how it's marketed. And honestly, is it going to be Drake? Do we even know that for for a fact? We don't really know. We 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 speculate, but honestly, it could be anything. Could be. I'm not saying it's X one again. 
But oh god, there there may be a few more plays in the book here before we know ultimately what what we're going to get. And had a two dollar donation from Raiju. Writes, what is the future of Smash? Will it be Smash Ultimate Deluxe for a new Switch with a few new characters and stages? A reboot will just result in people begging for old characters and just wouldn't make sense unless the game play changes significantly. My expectation is a reboot. I think the game needs to be re-examined and evolved in terms of its mechanics and i think a reboot is the best way to go about it because right now the problem is if they did a smash ultimate deluxe is all the third party characters would have to then be relicensed nintendo would have to go to square and capcom namco etc and offer them a new contract to license the game for this new release and it's one of the reasons you don't see a smash ultimate complete edition at retail because the way the contracts are written is that they get that original cut to be in the game and then they get the cut based on how many times the game the, you know the character is purchased if you did a complete edition you would have to go to all of those companies again and say Okay, what percentage would you want from each sale specifically of this skew? So there would be a lot of factors at play to make a deluxe super version of the game happen. And all you need is one company, let's say Square Enix, say no, and you'd lose all those characters. So I think they would go with a reboot and find a new direction for the franchise. Reboot it is. <laughs> then had a dollar fifty donation from Emerald. He writes, why would Nintendo ever move away from Switch brand? It's been wildly successful and people respond positively to it. Why build up a new brand from scratch again with a next-gen system? They do this every five or six years and it is pointless. Learn from Sony. I mean, Sony is not exactly, you know, in... In, have a perfect record of this, especially with the PlayStation 3. Even though the PlayStation name has stayed on, we've already talked about issues with backward compatibility and changing their architecture and, and things like that. Uh, look, I think it's really about innovation at the end of the day. You know, it's, it's, it's offering something to the customer that is unique, different, interesting. The Switch right now sounds like, for the foreseeable future, is the system of choice, the hybrid model but who knows you know 10 years from now a hybrid system may not really appeal to customers as much as it does right now and that's it's very difficult to imagine that because we're in the moment right now but things change you know the Wii was was such a success at the time but if you think about the Wii today it doesn't really make much sense no one wants something like that so i think you know ultimately it's just looking at at, at what people want and and offering something up so i think the switch is going to stick around for a while but you know it, it it may not be something that that will be here forever i will say mm -hmm. yeah i mean nintendo whenever nintendo brings out a new system it's because they usually come up with a new concept or idea that they want to put into a product 
And that's why we see them differ so much between generational leaps with their hardware going from the GameCube, which was, was a traditional system, all the way to the Wii, which was a new way to play. And then even the Wii U was a new way to play compared to the Wii due to the tablet, even though it did use a lot of the Wii's core ideas with the motion controller and even the branding Wii. And then from Wii U to the Switch was a new way to play. And that's Nintendo's thing is they like to experiment. They like to introduce new ideas and new ways to play. And the Switch is successful for them right now. Will it be successful if they kept the exact same concept for an additional, you know, 10 years from now, if they do that with their next gen hardware? Would it still find success or would people be looking away from this business model towards something new? And that's why Nintendo continues to innovate when they go to next generation systems. Sony and even Microsoft, you know, they stay with their try and true model and that finds them success. But that's just not Nintendo's way. Then had a dollar donation from Angry Beaver. New Switch needs to have faster I.O. Devs are moving to Series S and X and PlayStation 5 and taking advantage of the ultra-fast streaming. This will put Nintendo further behind and make ports of games close to impossible if Nintendo doesn't improve in this area. I agree. I think it does need faster I.O. I'm not really sure what that entails. I mean, whether that's SSD technology or just faster flash, NAND, access speeds but they need to offer something that's faster than what they have Mm -hmm. and i think they're aware of that and that's probably something on their list of deliverables then had a dollar 50 donation from syntax right nate heard a rumor that the reason golden sun hasn't been brought back was because it was too similar to pokemon magical creatures turn-based catching monsters Adding to your team, summoning in battle, etc. Thoughts? Will Golden Sun ever return? I have not heard that as a reason as to why Golden Sun has not been brought back. The only reason I have heard is that Nintendo doesn't have much interest in bringing back Golden Sun. But these were conversations from a couple of years ago. As to whether or not Golden Sun will ever return... I don't think the sun has set permanently on the franchise. Just a question of when will the sun rise again? Then had a dollar donation from Jackie G. He writes, a brand new AAA open world Middle Earth game is being developed. Who do you want to develop the game? Hmm. I mean, Monolith did well with the Middle of Earth games. I would say Monolith is a good pick, Nate. I'm going to go with Monolith. I mean, they've proven that they've been able to do it, but I mean, if I had to pick a different one, maybe maybe Avalanche, the Just Cause team. Yeah. Crystal Dynamics. Crystal Dynamics. Even though they've got their hands completely full with other projects right now. You know who would do a crazy Middle Earth game and it would never happen? It's Software. No, I wasn't thinking of them, but they wouldn't be bad. The Coalition. That's actually a uh, a pretty good pick as well. 
I was thinking of like Gears of War. Yeah. Like all like the locusts, but then I was picking picturing them as orcs. Yeah. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I like it. I think Coalition could make anything amazing. Yeah. They're probably one of the most underrated developers within Microsoft's arsenal. Then had a dollar donation from Cool Dude Super Noob. Right. Hi, Nate, and good day, MVG. Good day. <laughs> what does AMD FSR and NVIDIA DLSS mean for the future of the Switch? Competing upscalers or different things with own strengths like DLSS as next Switch iteration and FSR to bridge the gap on current Switch. Keep on rocking. Well, FSR 1 is kind of crap. that's the blunt version and it's actually going to be a topic that we are hoping to address very soon with a guest who is more well versed in fsr1 but is not a big fan of it and will explain in greater detail why fsr1 is crap dlss is magic yeah, the, there's, there's, yeah, there's definitely different use cases for both of those things, even <laughs> though on paper that they kind of offer the same benefit. I think in reality, that's a completely different story. And yes, we will be covering this in a future episode. Now, FSR2, that's a different topic. But FSR1, yep, crap. Then had a dollar eleven donation from James T. Right, hi Nate and MVG. A question for both of you: What do you think is more likely by twenty thirty? Microsoft and Sony switching from x eighty six to ARM based consoles, or Nintendo leaving Nvidia for another chip partner? This is controversial. <laughs> I think Nvidia leaving, or Nintendo leaving Nvidia. Based on those two options, I would agree with you. I don't think x86 is going to change for a long, long time, even though I have heard talk about moving to ARM because there's benefits there. the end of the day, having parity with PC, having that that parity with Xbox, PlayStation, and PC is really what, what developers want, what hardware makers are trying to offer them. So unless the whole industry moves to ARM, which, man, I can't see that happening. Yeah, we're, we're going to stay oh. at x86 for a, for a long, long time. So, yes, I, I would see, I could see Nintendo and NVIDIA parting ways before that. Yes, I would agree. And then had a two-part question and a $5 donation from Kev R.A. Right? Mario Golf. Nintendo Switch Sports, and Mario Tennis, all released incomplete with free updates later to complete the game. Did Nintendo make this decision for their sports games and expect the same for Strikers? Or is Camelot partially to blame? When it comes to Mario Party never getting DLC, is that because ND Cube doesn't want to do it? Or does Nintendo tell them not to? Who is making these decisions? And what's the power difference between third parties, subsidiaries, and first-party teams? 
So for part one, I do anticipate that Next Level Games is going to release a full game with Strikers, but it doesn't mean we won't get free DLC in the form of new, you know, arenas or anything like that down the line. For the Mario Golf and Tennis, I wouldn't, I don't put the blame on the developer. The blame if a game releases incomplete should always fall on the publisher because the publisher is the one who dictates the release, not the developer. The developer makes the game in accordance to the guidelines or time window relayed by the publisher. So the publisher dictates how the flow and everything goes. And in the case of Mario Golf and Tennis and Nintendo Switch Sports, Nintendo is looking at the games and saying, this is fine. We can release them in these states and we can add in new content three months, six months, 12 months down the line because that is how Nintendo wants to have a flow of content likely to keep the game fresh. Though in the case of Mario Golf, it doesn't seem as though the new content really sparked any new interest. Same with Mario Tennis. Nintendo Switch Sports will likely have a longer leg in terms of appeal and engagement than the other two games. So when soccer and golf are introduced, there'll still be a very active community. With Mario Party never getting DLC, that would be a situation of, I would still say that's Nintendo. Yeah. Nintendo did not plan to have DLC with that game. ND Cube as a developer could say, hey, we'd love to do some DLC. And Nintendo can, again, as the publisher, say, no, you're not doing DLC. We would prefer you to make a brand new game. Yeah, so, I, I think all roads lead to Nintendo on this one, or the publisher at the end mm-hmm. of the day. It's really, it's really up to them to yes. determine that stuff. Yeah, so for the last question of who is making these decisions and what's the power difference between third parties, subsidiaries, and first party teams... It's ultimately just a publisher. Mm-hmm. Then had a $2 donation from Shrek 2 Fanboy. You ever see Shrek 2? I have. <laughs> <laughs> That's not their question. Oh, I thought that was the question. <laughs> they write, I feel like the way Microsoft has bought mega publishers will screw over a lot of people. And it seems like more people still have problems with Sony making timed exclusives. Does it feel like there does it does it feel like there are double standards here? Also love the show. Oh man, I don't know really how to answer that. I mean, there's definitely there's definitely some fanboys and some tribalism out there. Maybe there's some double standards out there. I don't know. I think look I've talked about the acquisition before with with Activision. Mm-hmm. I think it's okay to be concerned about it. You know, I think I think it's okay to to be nervous about the outcome of this. What what will happen? I think that's a natural reaction, but I don't know. I mean, I also welcome it. You know, I welcome the change that that will be introduced, and and hopefully we'll see good things come out of it. I'm I'm looking at at any acquisition that that happens as a positive for the industry. And I, I, I welcome what what we'll see from that. I'm, I'm hopeful that that 
any acquisition that that happens, there are good things that come out of at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult to say because I can see the point where people say, look at the acquisitions, like especially when you see a company the size of like Bethesda, a company who is known for their multi-platform releases where people say, you know, my favorite game used to be, you know, Fallout or Elder Scrolls and I own a PlayStation and now I'm not going to be able to play my favorite game anymore because it's on the Xbox. And in the world of business, the solution, unfortunately, to that problem is if your favorite game is now on Xbox, you buy an Xbox. Yep. And I mean, I understand from a fan point, it's, you know, it's not the system that you have preference to, but if that's where the prod, if that's where the games that appeal to you are now being hosted, that is where you have to go to find your entertainment when Sony makes timed exclusive deals with third party games, we can use Final Fantasy VII Remake as an example where they signed it for a 12 month, then an 18 month exclusive window, and that prevented it from coming to PC. It's just, it's another form of business. They're trying to make their platform appealing and they spend money to make that happen. And it's kind of a case of if you know a game is going to be exclusive to a PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo platform for 12 months, 18 months, or 24 months, you as the consumer, it's best to become informed and know that there is a window of expiration. So if you prefer to play the games on PC and the game is going to be exclusive for X amount of time, you know, don't fall into that launch day hype wait and it will come to your platform of choice but these are just these are standard business practices to make their platform appealing and attractive to the consumer that had a three dollar donation from kohaku in regards to switch 4k how long do you think dlss can be a solution to the power gap that nintendo faces with competitors receiving ports will the revision be enough for a while or is a more powerful next successor needed sooner than later thanks dlss can achieve a lot and with nintendo their vision should be to create a platform that can get ports from you know ps5 series x and series s specifically series s because we know developers aren't going to abandon that platform because it's so pivotal to Microsoft's ecosystem. It's one of their key pillars that if they can get Series S ports, let's say at a power range comparable to what the Switch does now for PS4 and Xbox One ports, they can then use DLSS to upscale it to a 4K image where in some cases, you know, it's going to be very comparable to what you're seeing on something like a Series S, similar to when you look at a Switch now and you know an Xbox One port, and I'm talking about the VCR version, not an Xbox One X or anything like that. And you know that if that's what their target is, they're not really closing the power gap as much as using a cheat code to make it appear that they're closing the power gap. They're going to look competitive more than they truly are, and they can receive ports. But there'd also be other factors outside of DLSS that would be required for them to get the ports, such as RAM, you know, RAM speed, and a lot of stuff like that. Now, in terms of a more powerful next-gen successor being needed to compete with these platforms, 
I mean, more power is always beneficial and it would certainly help Nintendo in that area. But I wouldn't say it is a requirement when AI super sampling solutions like DLSS are maturing and will be available for any hardware that Nintendo partners with NVIDIA on. Then had a $5 donation from Prisma. Right, so what are your thoughts on a Switch successor being backwards compatible? Do you think Nintendo will make it backwards compatible or not? I think they have to. You know, we have to get there. Like, I'm not sure how they will accomplish that, but I think the goal is whatever way possible, they'll make it work. Yes, I agree with you there. But my only caveat is going to be the term Switch successor here. And if we're talking about like a continuation of the Switch line, yes, backwards compatibility is definitely something that would be needed. Now, if they're going to go with a next generation concept, like going from the GameCube to the Wii, then I wouldn't be surprised if backwards compatibility would not be there just because of the change in direction of the hardware. So it would really come down to how Nintendo uses the hardware and if they're looking to innovate with a brand new idea with a new controller and a new interface whether or not we get backwards compatibility and if that is the direction they move to be it in five years ten years whatever the amount of time if we're still doing this i will certainly be ready to say what the hell nintendo i own a lot of digital switch games and i can't play it on this (laughs) new vision i'm not happy and our final Streamlabs question for this week comes from DragonChi26, who donated $2.38 and writes, What is the difference in SSD speed for the top two Steam Deck models? The main page just says one is faster and the other is fastest. Can anyone go into more detail on this? Is there a significant difference between the two given the price difference? I don't know. I, I actually have, well, I'm, I ordered the most expensive model. Um, but I still have yet to receive my confirmation letter yet. So whenever that happens, I will be making a video on it, but um, I'm not sure when that's going to be. Something to look forward to when MVG takes apart his Steam Deck and finds the answer to your question. And I actually did look around to see if I could find an answer to that question, and no one actually had a definitive reason. They both said it's the... Yeah, I, I think that the $650 one, the most expensive tier, is something that is going to ship later because everyone right now that I know is starting to get their units shipped. And I think most people dipped on the the, the base model. So we'll have to wait and see what what the uh, the SSD offers in terms of performance. Mm-hmm. And we will find an answer to that very soon when MVG gets his Steam Deck. <laughs> One I'm day. not getting a Steam Deck, so I won't know. <laughs> and that was the final Streamlabs question of this week. If you'd like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in the description below. Donate any dollar amount. Ask a question. We will answer it at the end of the episode. Donate $100 or more. and We will dedicate the episode to you. And today's episode is dedicated to Shamsa. If you liked the video, be sure to give it a like. If you didn't like it, give it a dislike. Let us know your thoughts on PlayStation Plus Premium, the lack of true backwards compatibility, the fear that Sony stole your digital games on the PlayStation 3 or PlayStation P, but ironically, kind of stealing them 
from you on the PlayStation 5 by not offering PS1 backwards compatibility or PSP backwards compatibility, as we touched on in the episode, in the comment section below. And I'd like to thank my co-host MVG for joining me as always. Thank you as always, Nate. It's always been a pleasure having me on and it was fun. And one day we will discuss the NVN2 leak, but we'll probably be discussing FSR on the Nintendo Switch before we get to the NVN2 leak. But you can find updates on upcoming episodes on our Twitter accounts, which are linked in the description below as well. And until next time, continue to embrace the game.